We've been talking about being rooted in the love of God. You notice there in your notes in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Just look at it together as we read it. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together. Notice love equals power. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. The writer's giving us a picture that when you tap into and you move into the living love of the Lord, there's no limit to it. He's an unlimited God. The only limits are what you place on him. But if you throw everything open to him, he'll take you out into depths and width and height of his love that you've never experienced before. This love surpasses knowledge. It's not reasonable. You don't approach God and understand God and experience God with your natural mind. It's a work of the Spirit of God that moves beyond your natural reasoning capacities. That you may be filled with a measure of all the fullness of God. New Living Translation says that you may be made complete. Say complete. Every part of you, spirit, soul, body, complete in and with all the fullness of the life and power that comes from God. God is our Father. He is the source of our life. And everything you need, you go to Him. He has it for you. So the question is, how do we know we're filled with all the fullness of the love of God? Well, you do things that go beyond human reasoning and understanding. God says, my ways are different than your ways. The reason people never experience God, they approach him based upon their level of understanding, their level of thinking. You never get to God there. You have to open yourself up and get, allow him to give you his mind and his wisdom and his revelation. And it's not reasonable. It's not understandable with the natural mind. You discern it with your spirit and you agree with it with your spirit and you understand it with your spirit that's inside of you. And it bypasses your natural mind. Because God is not a natural being. He is a supernatural. Above and beyond the natural being. Matthew 5, chapters 5 and 7. Jesus takes us there in the Sermon on the Mount. And he tells us, be happy and glad when people mock you, persecute you, 
Say all sorts of evil things about you. Be happy and glad when people come against you. Mock you. Defame you. Post on Facebook all kinds of lies and deceiving things about you. Jump up and down and be glad. That's the picture. That's not reasonable. It's not reasonable. What do you mean? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. What? (laughs) That woke you up, didn't it? What do you mean? Don't worry. For God will take care of you. Oh, worry worry is my faithful daily companion. I got to keep worry around. No, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't judge or you'll be judged by the same way you judge others. Can't be vindictive. You can't want to get back at people for what they do to you. I thank you for your healing grace on Pastor Johnny right now. I bless your healing. Be a wise builder by building your life on these teachings, these things that I have taught you, Jesus said. And what will be the outcome? You will stand and overcome whatever comes against you. So Jesus is saying that only those who are filled with the love of God, who can think outside the box, who can live outside the box, who can understand these unreasonable, unthinkable things that Jesus asks us to do, only those people are going to be able to stand and overcome whatever comes against them. Most people fall because they fight with their own natural strength and their own natural reasoning and understanding. Jesus said, no, come into me. I'll put my spirit in you. I will enable you through my strength to stand when everybody's come against you. To express love when someone judges you. When worry comes, cast it off with joy and levity and laughter. Because you know God. Lisa, this is for you, is taking care of you. Who can truly do these things? Only those that are filled with the love of God. I say it's time for the church to get filled again with the love of God. Because what's coming down the pike, if we don't have God, we will not stand and overcome. And because we have God, we can be a part of this great thing he is launching in this season, in this time, in this day. A fresh outpouring of his life and his love. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will do as I command. See, love isn't just an empty profession. I'm a Christian. Loving Jesus isn't just repeating a little prayer or saying a little saying that gives the indication that you're now a child of God. It's having a heart that is so committed to Christ, you're now in the army. And soldiers, Roy, do what they're told. And we are to do what we're told. And then we see the greatness of God. You don't win the battle unless you obey the commanders. 
So what's required to do what God, God commands? It takes faith. Say faith. Faith. That means something has to carry you beyond yourself into God's realm. And you have to be willing to step over into it. To get there and to live there. To live by faith and not by sight. That's our command. How do I do it though? He comes and you give yourself to him. He dwells in you. He enables you. He gives you faith. He unctions you. And you just step out there by faith and everything opens up to you that he has for you. The door is the door of faith. And faith is not reasonable. It's not understandable. And that's what I want to drive home with the help of God today. That this love of God has so much joy attached to it. But it only functions fully in God's realm. And you only get there by obeying the Lord and taking a step of faith. But when you do, you find it all opens up to you. And life becomes abundant as Jesus promised. Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please God without faith. What is faith? Faithful obedience. Say faith equals obedience. Faith equals obedience. Obedience equals power. Say that with me. Obedience equals power. So faithful obedience produces the power of God, the life of God, the essence of God, the abundance of God, the ability of God to break right in upon your circumstance today that you're carrying around like a heavy ball and chain. And you don't know how you're going to do it. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how to break through. You don't know what to do with the situation. I want to tell you, you get Jesus in the middle of it. He knows what to do. And he can do it. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. It'd be interesting to take a true, honest uh, test of people, put them on a lie detector. Everybody that says they're a Christian say, do you really believe God exists and that he lives in you and that he has an ability beyond yours? And he has a realm that you can live in that is unthinkable and unimaginable that produces everything you could dream of. Do you really believe that? Uh, Probably very few would believe that. How do I know? Because of the way we live. Must believe that God exists. And he rewards. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's an act of faith. Sincerely going after what he has. Intensely seeking what you personally desire and even demand of him. There is an element to the word ask in the New Covenant in James 5, 16 that says, if my word, my word, my rhema, my life-giving word abides in you, and you abide in me, 
you can ask. That word ask is not, oh, God, please. It's thank you, God, for doing it. It's a proclamation and a demand on the power of God that flows through the vine to produce fruit. Because the power is not in the vine, in the, in the branch, it's in the vine. Whew. Jesus, or James said in James 2.26, Faith without works, without acts of obedience, is dead. Whew. Why are we going here? Because I'm going to ask you at the end of this to obey God. And step out by faith in even unthinkable and unreasonable ways you've never approached God before. But to go there with me and just see what can happen. Do I have any takers on that? Uh, mm. So let's pray. Let's release God's faith right now. Jesus, we celebrate your presence in us and in this place that's with us right now. This atmosphere that is pulsating with you, Jesus, we recognize that. We say, Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus today by releasing faith in us to save, to heal, to deliver, to release wisdom, to break open doors of bondage, to unloose chains of heaviness. Father, we want you to receive glory today by doing things that are beyond our reasoning and understanding. Ah, take us out there, Lord. We know your word declares that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the things we're going to talk about today, Jesus can do it again because he always does it when we go with him. And we know he gives hope and he gives faith. And he loves to touch. He loves to transform. He loves to liberate. And so, Jesus, because you did these things in the past, do it again. Say, do it again. Say, do it again in me. Do it again in me, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Whew. Let's take a boat ride with the disciples, right? Matthew 14. In this boat ride, we are going to see what faithful obedience to the Word of God can produce. And if He did it yesterday, He can do it today. And if He does it today, He can do it, Julian, in your tomorrows. Because He's the same God. We change, but He never changes. So all we have to do when we're changing, get back into him and go with him. Not walk away from him. He told me a few years ago, son, you're, you're, walking, you're walking afar off from me. Oh, God, that broke my heart. But I needed to hear it, Jeff, because it forced me right back into him. Oh, God, forgive me. And he engaged me again and filled me with his life, his love again. Okay, help me, Lord. Jesus, here we go. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And while he sent the people home, he had just fed the 5,000, fed the multitude, sent the disciples out across the lake. He went up to the mountain, it says, 
to pray by himself. Night fell while he was alone there. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away. They were fighting the storm that had risen, the strong winds that had risen. And when he saw the disciples walking on the water, when he saw the disciples, he came to them walking on the water. And they were terrified. Up until this time in recorded biblical history, nobody had ever walked on the water. It was new. It was unthinkable. It was unimaginable. It was different. It wasn't normal. But here's Jesus in the midst of something new and unthinkable and unimaginable. And he created that very moment for the disciples. And when the disciples saw him, they were terrified in their fear, and they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. It's me. The I am is among you. Then Peter called out, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus said, come. Who could be so audacious? Who could be so bold in their faith? Who could even dream and imagine they could walk on the water to Jesus? Peter did. Because when Christ showed up, faith sprang up in the heart of Peter. And he said, let me come. I want to experience you that way too, Lord. And Jesus said, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But then he saw, he took his focus off of Jesus and he saw the winds and the waves and he became terrified, began to sink. But even when he looked away from the Lord, we would say even when he sinned, when he didn't do what God wanted him to do, When he got sidetracked by the things of this world rather than staying focused on Jesus and he began to sink, even in that moment, the love of God reached out to him as he said, save me. The Lord touched him and took hold of him and raised him up and walked back together to the boat. Jesus said, have you so little faith, Peter? Have you so little faith, Peter? Why did you doubt me? This is an encounter that Peter had with Jesus that in many ways set the the platform for his life ultimately. Because down the road, he was going to be up against things and experience things that only God could get him out of. He was going to be in prison. They're going to kill him. But angels showed up and opened the door supernaturally and let him go. Now, is that reasonable? Is that thinkable? No. But he had touched a realm of Christ by his faith. He had experienced something by the Holy Spirit. That let him know, no matter what the natural circumstances look like, there is a place where God functions and he can come to me in the midst of my sinking moment and lift me again. And he did. He delivered him. And that happened over and over. 
until it was time for him to go. So they get back in the boat, and here's the disciples. You really are the Son of God. Now, they had seen him feed multitudes. They had listened to him teach. They had, they had seen all kinds of things. But in this faith-filled moment, they saw the Lord in a dimension that they had never seen him before. They didn't understand how that could be Jesus, but it was. And it so impacted them, it brought the revelation that he truly was the Messiah, the Son of God. Here's a point. You come to know God personally, not just by what he says to you, but what he does in you. Christianity is a verb religion. It's an experiential journey. It's not a verb. We're not just downloading natural knowledge. We're being drawn by an act of faith in this context of involvement with Christ out into what he has for us so we can experience him. And you never know him till you experience him. You don't know him here. You know him here. So here's the main truth of this story quickly. Jesus expects us to respond to the word he gives us. He expects you to respond to his presence. When he says something to you, moves upon you, unctions you some way. He expects you to respond. And Jesus likes it when we ask things of him. Jesus, let me come walk on the water. Who could be so audacious? But his faith said, I got to get out there where Jesus is. I'm tired of this realm of the boat and the sea. I want to go out there and walk over it. I want, I want to rise above my circumstance. I'm not going to continue to wrestle with it. I'm going to go beyond it and above it. So Jesus, I want you to take me out there beyond where I'm at. Jesus expects us to walk with faith when he gives us an invitation to come and participate with him in what he's doing. You know what's happening in this outbreak? God's inviting people in America to get out of the boat and walk out into this new thing he wants to do and bring new life to you, new hope to you, new strength to you, new provision to you, and whatever you desire of him. When you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the Bible. How do I delight in the Lord? By obeying him. In this story, when Jesus shows up, they say, it's a ghost. What does that mean? Point. Jesus loves to come to you in ways that you may not be used to. In fact, I'm bold enough to say as his representative standing before you in the name that's above every name, he will not come to you in normal ways. He's not normal. He's supernatural. 
So if you're trying to engage him in your normal paradigm, forget it. You have what you have. That's it. He's beyond your paradigm, your way of thinking, your last experience. There's more. And he comes to you in ways to entice you, to stimulate you, to strike faith in you, to say, wow, I want that. If it looks like him, if it sounds like him, if he does the things he does, it's him. No matter what it may look like, if people after the encounter are saved from their sins, that's Jesus because he's Savior. If people are healed of their diseases after their encounter with Jesus, that's the Lord because he's the healer, the Rapha. Mm. Look at the fruit, friend, not the manifestation. The manifestation is the life of God flowing through the branch to produce the fruit. In major revival movements of the past, and America has had many of them, God has consistently in every revival done things that we understand God does. And we expect them. They're normal in the sense that they're a repeat of what he always does. He always, in every movement, saves people out of their sin. He always changes lives, puts marriages back together. He always heals bodies and delivers from oppression. He always does that. And when he moves, you can expect that. Because that's what he does. Those are understandable, consistent things he does. But there are always new things too. Say new things. Say I want something new. You just made a prophecy that I believe God will fulfill if it came out of your heart. He does things that appear new because, number one, we've never seen them before. Or we've never personally experienced them before, so they're new to me. But they're not new to God. And they're not new to, to his heart and his activity and his purposes and his plans. They're just new to the season I'm in. But if it's new... And I feel with love for him. And he invites me into the new thing. <sighs> out of the boat I go. Out to him I swim or I walk or I crawl. or However I have to get out there. I just have a desire to be in on what he's in. So his actions may seem strange and new to us. Get ready. Because what you're going to see come. There's going to be. Unusual new things. Because that's what happens when God shows up. Anybody ever spit on a tongue to loose it before Jesus? But he did that. Who would offer him their tongue so their tongue could be liberated and speak and have a, a spirit cast out of them that had tied their tongue 
in a COVID year. Go ahead, Lord. I want to speak. The mind says, oh, it's COVID. Forget it. It's Jesus. He's greater than COVID. Ah. Jesus. But here's the point. When he's finished, there's the distinct marks that God has shown up because things are different now. I am free. I am healed. I love my wife. I love my husband. I love people. I have faith. I have an answer to that prayer. I have a breakthrough in my life. God has showed up. I don't care how he got me here. I'm different now. Do we have any takers on that today? (laughs) You know, when Jesus does these new and unusual things, it's as if he's in your face. I've had him here. I've had him here. I've had him here. And he is saying to me and to you, do you really want me enough to go past what at the moment is offending you? Because the Bible says he is a stumbling stone to those Greeks who like to reason and understand with their mind. They can't, so they stumble over him because he's not reasonable. He's supernatural. If I just rapture, let me go. I'm getting out into something here. Now, there have been several moves in, in, in America. The first great awakening in America happened through Jonathan Edwards. He was a congregational pastor, preacher, in northern states back in 1970 to, or 30 to 40, in the early formation of our, of our nation. Before the American Revolution, God sent a revival. God sent an awakening. Now, there's a pattern to each of these. You'll pick up on it quickly. The second great awakening was led by a man by the name of Charles Finney, who was Presbyterian. Now, in those two points, I'll just say this. It don't matter what you claim to be. When you give yourself to God, you become gods. I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Charismatic, whatever. It don't matter to God. He wants a heart that will obey him, that he can move in. There's not going to be a Congregationalist heaven and a Presbyterian heaven and a Methodist heaven. Or whatever heaven you want to name it. It's going to be him. His kingdom. By the way, you do know when you go to the cross, you die. You don't live any longer. You now are his. You become like him. You reflect him. You you show him off. You're his ambassador. It's all Jesus in the kingdom. You don't have an identity there. If you're still still holding on to yourself, you'll never make it. Because you got to die to yourself to get to him. But in him is everything. I think you ought to give him a clap offering for that. Now, the second great awakening happened just before the Civil War. Now, look at the pattern. The third great awakening, the Azusa Street Pentecostal Holy Spirit outpouring in the early 1900s, just before World War I. Led by a black One-eyed man. He had a patch on one eye because he was blind in it, but that didn't stop God from using him. William Seymour. 
And God birthed what's called the Pentecostal outpouring, the Pentecostal revival. That changed the landscape of Christianity all over the world. Just before... World War I. I'm a little ahead of myself, I think, aren't I? Then came what's called the Latter Rain Movement. God began to release signs and wonders and miracles. Tent evangelists running everywhere, pitching tents, calling people out, getting people saved, and manifesting the power of God to heal, deliver, and set free. I was there as a kid. My dad took me to everyone he could find. We, I, I, Jack Cole, Old Roberts, A.A., Allen. It doesn't matter. I saw people get out of wheelchairs. I saw people get up off of cancer beds. I saw it with, as a kid with my own eyes. The outpouring of the Spirit, the latter rain movement. The creating again of the gifts of the Spirit in the church and releasing the Holy Spirit in ways that nobody had ever seen through people nobody ever knew. Just after World War II, that's when that happened. Then came the Jesus movement. Are you going to San Francisco and put a flower in your hair? They were flower kids. You remember that, Julian? Flower children. We were out there then. We were in that thing. That's what brought us into Christ. All those flower children. And alongside of that, charismatic movement began to break out in churches. Didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. They had him in their doctrine, but they never experienced him. He started showing up. That revival, to this day, is the greatest world-shaking revival that's ever taken place on the planet. Hippie kids getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, dead-dried, hard-crusted churchgoers getting overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And the life of God raises the tide. And all of a sudden, we're taken to a new normal in Christianity and the earth. That's during the Vietnam War. You getting a pattern here? Then came the Word of Faith movement, like in the 80s during the Iraq and Iran War. People began to go back and look at the Bible and say, why don't we believe this? This is the Word of God. So let's act by faith on the Word of God. So they called it the Word of Faith movement because people just had enough audacity to do what the Bible said to do. My Lord, is that an oddity today? And then the Toronto outpouring, the Brownsville outpouring. Another outbreak in the 90s, right after the Gulf War and Desert Storm. Now, my question is, if God is moving again, what does that say about the condition of the world and what's yet ahead of us? Conflict. We're seeing it on our streets We're seeing it in our nation. We're seeing a rise of racism and hatred and anger. People just killing people at the drop of a... There is a spirit of darkness. The pit of abyss has been opened. And these these scorpion-like spirits are released into this earth to stir up 
strife and trouble and hatred and division and death because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is conflict coming, friend. That's why God is wanting to get whoever he can, if you will. He wants to get you filled up with him so you can stand and overcome it and not be taken out by it and be a witness in it. And this last move, or this next move, or this current move, started on a football field on a Monday night when a player dropped dead before the world. And what did everybody do? The world stopped and prayed. They prayed on TV. They prayed openly. They didn't care if it was against the law or not. They didn't care if it was political correct or not. They didn't care. Oh, God, help this player. There's a point when we need God more than any restriction could put on us, and we don't care what they say. We don't care what they try to hold us captive. We're going for God because we got to have him resurrect something. And he raised that player up. They said, well, if he comes back and be a vegetable, well, he is fully capacitated. I just read where he's already practicing with his team. Back on the field. That started what's happening now. Because people were in such need, they cried out to God, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from themselves and reach out to me, then I'll hear from heaven. God heard their prayer. He heard our prayer. He heard the prayers of the world. And revival started on that field that we begin to see in Asbury and every place. And right now on OU campus, there's hundreds of students crying out for a move of God on that campus. And they had the audacity to say, give us the stadium. Never happened. They said never will happen. You guys are crazy. You kids, go back to your studies. Go back to your dorm. But they wouldn't do it. It got into them. God wants that stadium. They begin to march around it. They begin to speak to it. They got a hold of a ministry called Pulse out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, who, whose target is for college campus revival. And they brought them down, and they said, we're in this with you. We're going to underwrite it. We're going to do the logistics. You kids pray and lead it, and we'll be here to help you. And when God spoke to a, a senior student who had just a few hours left on his final year, said, I, I don't want to float by my senior year. So he started praying, God, what am I to do with my life? What do you want to do with my life? And he heard, fill the stadium right there. Fill the stadium. What? Fill the stadium. He got a co-brother, Julian, said, let's pray. I got I to know if this is really God. And they pray together. They both hear, fill the stadium. Everybody say, ain't no way you're going to get that stadium. Hey, Peter, you can't walk out there. There's no way you can walk out there. There's no way you can do that. Ugh. God gave him a date, too, April 29th. That's by the Spirit. And then some power brokers got involved, like Kirk Humphreys, a former mayor, and Castiglione, and the president. They all began to, God began to stir all their hearts to say, hey, why not? 
the day, just to show you how God works, if you'll recognize it, and his invitation to you and me to be in on this, the day the Asbury revival broke out, February the 8th, the kids get a contract for that stadium. And the only date they had available was April the 29th. The weekend before, they're having the spring football game. And that was the only date they had that stadium available. Now, you can be, pardon the expression, dumb and ignorant if you want to, but I can see the handwriting on the wall, Wayne. I can see God's up to something. And now he's inviting all of Oklahoma, whoever will, to be in on it with him. Well, I say, Lord, you can count on me. So each of these moves of God, they contain familiar God-like manifestations we talked about. But they also contained unusual manifestations that set them apart as a move of God. Because nobody in their right mind would do what, they, what people did. If you're in your right mind, you will never obey God. I'm not saying you get mindless. I'm saying you give way to this and you let this lead you. You let your spirit, your heart, the heart of God, the mind of God that's in you, in the Holy Spirit lead you. Whew. Things like falling down when they were overwhelmed by the power of God. People just fell out like, like, like just, just cutting down trees all over the place. Falling down is nothing new. It was there in all the movements of God. I found out sometimes if God can, do you know why sometimes at night, because you cannot, you're not conscious, you're in your subconscious now, because your conscious mind is inactive, hopefully sleeping, I didn't sleep much last night, so I was still active a little bit, but I was trying to get into a spirit mind, I, was, I, anyway, I won't go there, except when you're asleep, do you know your body renews itself when you're sleeping? It rejuvenates itself. Do you know if you don't get sleep, you're going to die prematurely? Because your body needs to rejuvenate itself through rest. Do you know when you're asleep, God can give you visions, dreams. He can implant and impart and impregnate you with his will that when you wake up, you have this idea and this revelation that this has to happen. He can do more when a person's laid out on the floor, if they'll just let him, than they can ever do trying to reason it out and fight it out here. People get up off the floor and their marriages are put back together and their bodies are healed, all kinds of things. So don't mock that. That's a way God moves on people. Shaking and quaking. There's a whole group called the Quakers now. Where'd they get that name? They shaked and they quaked. But it changed their life. If he wants to shake me a little bit to change me, shake me real good, God. Because the life I'm living is hell. And frustrating. And empty. Shake me, God. Speaking out in unusual languages called tongues. The Bible calls them tongues of angels. Speaking mysteries out of your spirit to God. Your spirit man has a voice just like your natural man. God wants to release your spirit voice so you can pray out of your heart, beyond your mind, into everything God has for you. Because the spirit knows the mind and will of God. And when you can pray into it, you can get it and possess it. 
Well, that's whole other teaching. And then people begin to interpret tongues. They begin to give prophecies back. This is what that's saying. This is what that means. Where'd that come from? The supernatural realm of God. The supernatural spirit inside of a person. They spoke out what the spirit was showing and telling them. Words of knowledge. William Branham, one of the great evangelists of that latter rain movement. God so moved on him. People would walk up to get prayed for, and he would say, your name is Mary Sue. You live in Lexington, Oklahoma. You have a house on uh, 295 on 1st Street in Lexington, Oklahoma. Uh, You've had this problem. you got this situation. He would read their mail without ever meeting them. Where'd that come from? That realm. God's realm. Why? Because he had God in him. He had the Spirit of God in him. And God could tell him what he needed to say to that person. To, he said, Branham, if you can ignite faith in their heart, I'll heal every one of them. And he ignited faith in their heart by telling them secrets that only they knew. And that put faith in them. Then he would say, do you believe God heals you? They said, yes, you're healed in the name of Jesus. And miracles happened. If you question all this, go research it yourself. It's there. There are outbreaks of joy, laughter. There was a whole laughing revival. The world mocked. But if you understand, laughter is a great medicine. You can heal yourself laughing. The Bible says so. The Bible says you can laugh yourself well. A merry heart does good like medicine. Come on, friend. Get out of your old starchy dead self. Let's get out there in the joyful winds of God and laugh ourselves healthy. You can laugh your marriage back together. You can laugh yourself through that problem you're facing tomorrow at your work. How would things change if you went there laughing about it? Instead of crying over it. <laughs> oh, this is so good. God's giving me some downloads here. Mm. Help me, God. i got to get through this. They were shrieking as demons went out of people. Ah! Most people run from that, but if you know what's happening, you say, come out. More, Lord. Shriek, get out, you foul thing. When you know the ways of God, you participate with him in them. You don't run from them. You get in on it. The natural man doesn't, but we're not natural. We're supernatural too because we have his life and his spirit in us as Christians. So we don't think like everybody else. We think like God with the mind of Christ. By the way, I know all things. I have the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible says. So whatever I need, I go to him, and he can give revelation. He can give downloads. He can, he can give me wisdom on how to deal with anything and everything. There is no weapon formed against you that can prosper because you have the mind of Christ and the ability of God in you as a believer. But you have to know it, and then you have to access it, and then you have to go out there where he tells you to go and do what he shows you to do. And if he says, go to your job laughing in the morning, I dare you to go. Oh, help me. Sometimes there's heat. God is a consuming fire, so he shows up in heat. 
And often when heat is present, he's healing people. He's creating new bone or new organs or, or he's causing implanted metal to bend and move. So people who were bound because they had metal put in them, now they can flex and move like people that have just a regular spinal column. Visions and dreams. You know, the greatest revival in the world today is in Iran. Get a hold of this. And accompanying Afghanistan. Muslim countries. And it's against the law to preach Jesus there. They'll kill you if you show up preaching Jesus on the streets. So he bypasses limited man who says, we don't want God here. By the, way, by the way, God's everywhere present. David said, if I go to hell, you're there. If I go to heaven, you're there. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent, right? So how's he? He's preaching through visions and dreams. They're having dreams and visions. And he says, I'm Jesus Christ. And he imparts his love to them. Then there's these, uh, uh, these leaders of these groups, they show up and they say, I met Jesus last night. And they're bringing all of their students into Christianity through visions and dreams. In a place where it's against the gospel to speak the name of Jesus. And then they risk their life to say, I met Jesus last night. There's a story of one of them. They were so radically against his testimony, they pulled him out in the streets and threw gasoline on him and lit the fire. But it did not touch his body. And when the fire was gone, he stood there totally preaching the gospel. Read about it. It's documented. It's documented. I'm not telling you a story. I'm telling you the truth of what God's doing and how God works. Because he wants us at New Life in on it. But we can't get it staying where we are. The point is God shows up in unusual ways. And when he does, he brings transformation and change into people's lives. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And they're way beyond finding out. So although God's ways may be an insult to your natural mind, if you look at the results, then these unusual and reasonable ways of God bring glorious transformation. You rejoice in it. I don't care if he shakes me. When I get up, if I'm changed, change me. God, shake me till I'm changed. I dare somebody that knows you to pray that prayer over you. Because there's somebody that knows you, knows you need to change somewhere in your life. God's shaking today. Uh oh. Well, I got to get on. Jesus said, Be afraid, take courage, I'm here. You see, Jesus doesn't show up to scare us, He shows up to build faith in us. He doesn't show up. To get in our face and put us down. He shows up to get in our heart and lift us up out of our circumstances into what he has for us. And it's unusual often when he does. But the results are glorious. Hallelujah. So as the Holy Spirit moves upon you here in a moment, I'm going to encourage you to cooperate with him. I'm going to encourage you to go on out with God to see what he will do. 
If you like things the way they are, you want to live a copacetic life, you want to stay in the moly grubs, you want to stay under oppression, you want to stay in weakness, you want to stay in confusion, then don't do anything. But if you want what he has for you, I dare you to move with God and see what he does. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come. So Peter stepped out of the boat. To go to Jesus. He didn't walk on the water. He walked on a word. Come. If God says it, he'll do it. If he promised it, he'll bring it to pass. So if you dare to step out on what he says to you or shows you in a moment, he'll accomplish what he has for you. You know, history's proven for every one seawalker, there's 11 anchor huggers. So who are you? Is the optimum question. But if you, like Peter, are so desperate to want what God has for you and to cooperate with him however he wants to bring it, even if it means letting him do something he's never done before in your life, wonderful, glorious, amazing things happen. You'll be worshiping God one day and all of a sudden, it's like a dam breaks inside of you and you begin to spout out and pour out these words you never spoke in this language you've never uttered. And there is a release into a realm that's all around you. You just didn't know it was there until you penetrated it by releasing it and moving into it. And supernatural tongues come out of you that change everything in your life and set your future Forever. Yeah. Or suddenly you're preaching and you feel pressure points. Something touches your body. You feel a pressure point on your knee and you say, wait a minute. Who has a knee that needs to be healed? And then Billy Harris back there says, I do. Get out of that sound booth. The Lord says, run around the building and bend down and you'll be healed. He runs around the building, bends down, and he's healed. And he weeps all the way through his video testimony saying, now I know Jesus loves me. I, he'd been in church all his life. But until he felt God and knew that God touched him and loved him enough to change him, now I know Jesus loves me. I got the video. We'll show it to you. Talk to Billy whenever he's in town. He's retired, you know. Lord, People are responding and you just step over and extend your hand and maybe six, eight feet away from them and all of a sudden you feel something come out of your hand, literally something and knocks a man and woman to the floor. Nobody touches them. Bam! And they get up rejoicing. Now I know God's real. I know his power's real. Because they were Baptists and they didn't believe what they were seeing in our church in Bartlesville. Until God touched them by his... I didn't touch him, but God touched him. And she gets up saying, I'm healed, I'm healed. My back, I'm healed. God bounced her on the floor to heal her back. Now tell me how that works, friend. You think she'd resist that bounce if she knew she was going to get healed? She'd probably say, bounce me again, Lord. 
Oh, you finish preaching, and this is, this is so cool up here in the north part of the city. You finish preaching, and you step down before a young man, 20, in his early 20s, standing on the front row, not responding. Others would respond. God was doing so. He's just standing there like a, you know, God, you ain't going to do nothing to me. Bless God, I ain't going to do that. I didn't hear him say it, but that was his posture. And you step down in front of him. And all of a sudden, the guy's a blubbering drunk. Like you'd showed up in a bar at midnight and people are stumbling out after having too much to drink. All of a sudden, instantly, he's drunk in the Spirit of God. And then you find out all week he had been mocking the power of God he had seen on TV, saying, that ain't real, that ain't real, that ain't real. But God showed up and showed him it's real. Who can explain that? I can't. I was, I was there. I, I was involved. I can't explain it. Or you see with your spiritual eye, a foot. So, all right, stop. I'm talking about in the middle of service. How many knows God can interrupt if he wants to? How many know some we program him out some of the time? Maybe a lot of the time. I saw a foot. Stop. Who needs healing in their feet? Right down here, Chuck. God says, if you need healing in your feet, stand up, stomp your foot hard on the floor three times and be healed. He does it, and he starts rejoicing. Because for 20 years, he heard his feet while he was in the Navy, and he had constant pain in his feet. All of a sudden, by just doing what God told him to do, as unreasonable as it sounded, God healed his feet, and he was totally... I got a video testimony if you want to see it. I'm telling you stuff that's, that's, that's fact. Or you get a dream. On a Saturday night of God healing a woman of scoliosis. And you're just bold enough to say when you get there the next day, okay, God wants to heal scoliosis. Who has scoliosis? And a lady for 25 years could not bend over without excruciating pain. Lived in Shawnee. Worked in... uh, uh, a nursing care center was uh, the administrator of it. And every night had to lay flat on the floor and let her back be massaged because of the constant pain from scoliosis. The Lord says, step out, bend over in Jesus' name. Do something you couldn't do. Bend over and be healed. And she bends over and she comes up and she's... You can see it on their face, by the way. You can see when God touches somebody. Look at their face. I got it on video. Totally healed. I could go on and on and on. I'm talking about things that I participated in. Simply because I was willing to throw my leg over the side. And I wasn't afraid of getting wet. And I wasn't afraid of sinking. Because I was going to go out there and see what Jesus could do. So Jesus says, why do you doubt me? Why do you have such little faith? He he was rebuking them, but it wasn't so much a rebuke. It was an exhortation. Come on, start believing because greater things are available to you. Get out of your doubt and get into your faith because greater things are available to you. And if you'll obey the Lord here in just a moment, you, like Peter, can walk out on a word, walk out on a feeling, walk out on an unction, And see what's out there for you. 
if you're desperate enough, if you desire it enough. Here's the end of it. God is always moving, friend. He has been moving in this service since you got here. He moves about your life even when you don't know it. But if you will recognize it and learn how to recognize his ways, you have such great abundance awaiting on you. But he's moving, always moving by his spirit, often in ways you can't understand, and it's not reasonable, but that's okay. It's the realm of God. It's not me. If I function where I am, I, always, I only get what I can get. But if I go to him, I can get what he has. But when you see him moving or you feel or sense in your own spirit or your body that he's doing something, even something unusual, you can ask of him, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? Or you can even be so bold and start asking him what you want of him. When he's moving, he's ready to respond to your desires. God never rebukes heartfelt faith. He does rebuke doubt. But he never rebukes somebody who out of their heart is trying to obey him. He's pleased with that. And he meets you in the midst of your faith. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to just sort of hold your hands like this. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, begin to, begin to move on you, in you, and talk to you. And as he moves, then you can say, Lord, Lord, would you, would you touch me? I want your power today. I, I want your joy. I need your peace, Lord. Lord, would you, would you heal my ears so I can hear or my eyes so I can see? Just start asking him what you want him to do. And allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and on you and through you to accomplish that. Lord, I want, I want to experience your presence. Like I've never experienced it before. I want you to renew me, Lord. I'm so tired of the life I'm in. Touch me with your power, Lord. Whatever you desire, ask it of him. And let's see what he'll do. Do I know what he'll do? No. But I know he's going to do something. If you want him to. So, as we do this, I want you to play. We're not going to have any music. Because it's not about music. It's about you paying close attention to your body and your spirit and being aware of something different that's happening, something maybe unusual that's happening, and then participate with it and just start letting the Lord. Maybe he shows you what he's doing, and you just you start reaching out, thanking him for it, or you have this desire, Lord, I sent your presence. Lord, would you do this for me? Lord, I need you. And just lay it out there. Now, those that are standing and those that are participating, if you start tearing up, if, if, you, if, you're, if, if tears or, or crying begins to come on you, I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward. If you feel like maybe your hands are going to sleep, there's a tingling or maybe some electrical things happening, while we're in this posture of, of its presence, I want you to come forward. If you feel warmth or heat, I want you to come forward. If, if you feel the heaviness, called the kabod, the heaviness of God, where you just feel like you're weigh, you weigh a thousand pounds and it's hard to stand up, I want you to come forward. 
if you sort of feel crunches, I want you to come forward. Any unusual manifestation, I want you to come forward. We'll pray for everybody else that wants to be prayed for later. I want those to come forward. Are we ready in the house to experience God?